Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. How great is that story, right? I I just want to take a moment and say thank you to everyone who serves in any capacity in our family ministries. And that goes from newborns all the way up through our uh, soon-to-be students who are graduating from high school. And to an extent, we're even taking a step to take some of those soon-to-be high school graduates and, and take and continue to move them along as they, uh, we're actually going to be doing a, a group that's going to meet uh, every couple weeks on uh, a month on Sunday afternoons where we're able to kind of help them walk that stage as they walk through. So thank you for those who are invested in the next generation. For those of you who see this and you say, well, I, I would love to have that kind of impact. Well, hang on. We're going to talk about that a little bit. But also, beginning next week, we are going to give you some practical ways that you actually can do that. And this is very different than the next campaign, but it's still, it's it's saying yes to a generation that we are working very hard to lead in small groups and in circles more so than in rows. Uh, this is a generation that we are working to mobilize to serve not only the church but to serve their community. And um, after this past week, I have come to realize that we are taking some incredible steps to actually see that become reality. So for those of you who are parents in the room today and you have kids who are next door, or even in this room uh, right now in, in our nursery area, or up through sixth grade next door right now, or you have students who come on Sunday nights, thank you so much for allowing us the privilege of being able to serve you and to um, also equip your family and to equip you to lead your family and to lead them well. Um, also tonight, I just wanted to put in one quick plug for this evening. We have something that we call the getaway Um, We're talking about you leading your family well and engaging with them and equipping you to spend intentional time with them and to build community. And we want you as parents, birth through those of you who have seniors in high school, uh, we want to allow you the opportunity to be able to hang out with other parents. And so we have our catering in Moe's. You don't have to pay anything. We're going to have a big game party tonight, and we call it the getaway, and you get to get away from your kids for a little bit. So if you know someone that you can, uh, a sitter or someone or a family member that the kids can stay with this evening, we encourage you to do that. Here's why. Because after the service, now if you get up now and you walk out to go do what I'm about to say, I won't call you out because I'm afraid something bad would happen if I did that. But here's what I will tell you. We have 10 spots open. So if you're a parent and you thought about coming tonight and you you didn't sign up, I would encourage you after the service to just find me outside in the lobby um, and come and let me know that you would like to be a part of that event tonight, okay? Because we literally have 10 spots that are still available and we would love for you to come and hang out with us. So if you are looking for a way to do something super, tonight we'll bowl you over, as I've said numerous times, because otherwise we just have to say big game. So come and hang out with us 5.30 until the game ends or you want to go home or you don't want to go home or whatever that may look like, we understand it, okay? So today we're actually kicking off a brand new series where it's called One Another, and we're going to be talking through the relationships that we have in our lives and how we need one another and how we impact one another. And so to get this thing started today, I spent some time as I was looking through one specific 
passage of Scripture, one specific verse from the Bible that kept coming to mind, and it was Joshua 24, 20, or 24 15. And I know that for some of us, we hear that, and we, I get it. We don't know exactly what the numbers mean and what that looks like. But I'll put it this way. There's a part of that verse, a portion of that verse, that says, as for me and my family, or as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So I decided, let's just do a Google search, because when in doubt, go to Google and see what it has to say about everything, right? So here's what happened when I did the Google search, not for the reference of where it came from, from the, the book of Joshua, not from that, not putting in 2415, but just as for me and my house, that's literally all I searched. In 0.45 seconds, less than half a second, Google returned 891 billion results. Now, I think there are a lot of us who, we, we sit there and go, that's great. There are people who want to know what that means. And I'll be honest, because of me using online study tools and those kind of things, those were the first things, results that popped up for me. But immediately underneath that, the majority of what came up were actual signs and pictures that you could buy or that people had on different pages that they had created. And I'll be honest, there was a lot of shiplap and there was a lot of like reclaimed wood and script writing and vinyl clings and all of these kind of things. But the majority of them on these images only had portion of it. There was a portion where it said, ask for me in my house. And there was nothing else that was said. Or there were other portions that would say, my family, we will serve the Lord. But it's not the entirety of the verse and it's certainly not the entirety of the story. And so, as I saw all of those things, there were a lot of images that would give us heartwarming feelings of saying, I want to take a stand as a parent, as a grandparent, as an adult, how do I start? Where do I start? Well, if we just start with a Google search, you would say, well, you know what? If I want to lead my family well, and I want to serve my family well, and I want us to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, I hang the sign in my house. But it doesn't end at the sign because we have the sign. And I can tell you there are some times that I feel like an absolute, complete, and utter failure when it comes to parenting. There are some times that I sit back and go, wow, if it was based totally on me and my lead this week or today, does it really look like we're serving God? But we've got the sign up there, and it's one thing to you know, rub the rock and run down the hill or to go up and, in the case of Notre Dame's football team, hit the sign that says play like a champion today and go out on the feet. Feel, you still have some losses after you do those things, right? Those things still have a tendency to happen. And so it makes us feel good to know that we, we put something up, and it does that for me too. But how do we move beyond that? How do we turn this truth from this passage, how do we turn that into an actual way of life and not just something that we hang on a wall? And I understand that there are some of us who say, why is this so important for us to talk about this today? It's actually pretty simple because here at Springwell, we believe that every parent wants to be a great parent. Now, for anyone in the room who has names running through your head or situations or circumstances, I would encourage you to hang in here with me for just a little while because as we go, we're going to show you that we're actually all one of these parents. We believe that every parent wants to be a great parent. I don't believe that there's ever been a, someone who's discovered that they were going to be a parent. And the first thing that went through their mind was, I can't wait to see how badly I screw up this kid. I just choose not to believe that. I'm not going, I know that wasn't the thought that went through my head. I mean, there were definitely some times where I was sitting there going, wow, I am probably going to mess this up because I've only been around boys my entire life. And, and now I have an eight-year-old daughter. 
And there are days that I sit back and go, why, God, did you do this to me? There are, I'm just being honest. There are some days where I'm sitting there going, thank you, God, for doing this to me because she's so much like me, but she looks so much like her mama that I feel like that helps a lot in that case. But so we don't think about those things. We don't, I, I just choose to believe that parents, when you find out you're going to be a parent, you don't do that. I believe that, as a matter of fact, if you're in this room today and you are a parent, I can tell you you're not thinking about that because you're here. You're, you're trying to, to lead your family and to serve them well or just see the next step that you can take. And when it comes to Joshua 24, 15 and that partial scripture that ends up on those signs so many times, it seems like a pipe dream for some of us. And I get that. Maybe not necessarily for a week or a month or a year, but for some of us just for the next 15 minutes. How, how do I lead my family to serve the Lord? We just have that scripture or we'll hang the sign or we'll put it on a wall and we hope for the best. And there's nothing wrong with having it. But the reason we go out and there's so many of those return images, I believe, and so many of those return searches from Google is because everyone's searching for how we lead our families well. The truth is, it's a lot of times we feel like our family's doing great until we experience a loss as a family and then everything kind of seems to, to cave in. Until we have a child who lies to us. Until as a parent, we mistake how we discipline and how we punish and we get them mixed up and then we realize what we're doing. And for some of us, we were doing great and thinking we were doing great until we came rolling into the parking lot this morning and we were all just at each other's throats on the way in, right? We've all had those days and I know that there's a saying that says, fake it till you make it. But man, it is hard to continuously do that when you start to feel like a failure. When you start to feel like you're alone. But the truth is, you're not the only one. We aren't the only parents who have ever struggled with this. Of having to move into this lifestyle. It was happening when Joshua said these very words in Joshua 24, 15. When he made that declaration, so who is this guy Joshua? It's not just some random Joshua that you may have met at some point in time. This is a, a guy who was Moses' second in command. It's the man who ultimately led the, the nation of Israel into the promised land. And then we find out in chapter 13 that Joshua is getting older. And it actually says in chapter 13, it begins by telling us that Joshua was stricken in years. I don't know what that means. I know that at that time he was 90 years old. I'm 41 and I feel stricken in years sometimes. And I think that's probably why I feel like I struggle with so many of these things a lot of, a lot of the times. But at 90 years of age, God actually uses Joshua beginning at that time in chapter 13, over the next 20 years to take hold of the entirety of this promised land and then ultimately begin his most important work, which was dividing it up amongst this entire nation of people. Then 10 chapters later, in chapter 23, we find out that Joshua is 110 years old. He's 110 years old, and he meets with all of the leaders of the nation of Israel. He calls them together. And he sets the stage for what's ultimately going to be the final thing that he does. So I would say this before we get into anything else this morning. If you're sitting here going, 
I've been a parent for a while. I've been a grandparent for a while. Maybe for some of us today, you've started fostering, or maybe today you're expecting a child, or maybe even today you have been put into this role as parental figure in a child's life or in a teen's life, and it's another family member. It's a brother, it's a sister, it's a, it's a cousin, it's an aunt, it's an, you're an aunt, you're an uncle, it's, it's a niece or a nephew, and now you are that parental figure. So what do we do here? Don't think that you can't start somewhere. And it doesn't matter where you are on the timeline of your life, believe that God can still do something incredible with you because that's what's happening with Joshua. So here is this man, he's leading out, and then at 110 years of age, he calls the entire nation of Israel together in chapter 24. The first 13 verses, he reminds everyone what God has done for them. He's delivered them, the victory that they've experienced, God keeping his promises one after another. And it's the same thing that I want us to do today, to understand how we definitively say we are going to live a life as parents, as parental figures, as grandparents, as legal guardians, whatever it may be, as just an adult in a child's life. How do we lead our families well? So here's how it happens. Joshua 24, let's start in verse 14. It says, so have respect for the Lord. This is Joshua talking. Serve him. Be completely faithful to him. Throw away the gods your people worship east of the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Then verse 15. And I know that we're going to read this and you're going to, wait a minute. You just said that verse 15 was, as for me and, and my house or me and my family. We're going to serve the Lord. Well, there's more to it. And this is why I think it's important that we understand this today. He says, but suppose you don't want to serve him. Suppose you don't want to serve God. Then choose for yourselves right now who you will serve. You can choose to serve the gods your people served east of the Euphrates River, or you can serve the gods of the Amorites. After all, you're living in their land right now. But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. This is incredible. For a lot of us, we sit there and go, look at what this guy did. That's what I want to do. How do I move from it just being something that I read in the Bible, from something that is hanging on my wall, that I truly believe that I want to lead my family and serve them well and I want to serve God? How do I move my family from Scripture on a wall or, or a verse that we've read today to sold-out servants of God, fully devoted followers of God? How do I move my family to that place? Well, Joshua begins to tell the nation of Israel, first of all, we respect God. We revere him. We respect him. We worship him. And we do that together. We serve him. One of the things that we work very hard to do here at Springwell is not only to lead the next generation and to serve families well, but again, we're giving them, building a, a community that's built on faith so that they can then go out and serve not only their generation, but the generation that's going to follow. And there are a lot of us, so many of us, thank you Springwell, who are leading out well and serving in that way. It's so important because we're modeling the importance of what it looks like to serve God. Thank you to those volunteers that Amanda named off. Thank you to all of the other volunteers in the preschool room uh, across the years who have 
poured into and loved on that family and others. Thank you for those of you who are serving in elementary areas or for those of you who are serving in our preteen environment or with students on Sunday night because you are making a profound impact. And you're setting the stage for what's going to come with the next generation. It's also, I get asked a lot, so what happens with our 7th and 8th graders on Sunday morning? What happens with our ninth through 12th graders on Sunday morning? Why is there no service for them because the adults are in here? Well, again, we're building this community of faith and we're modeling it because we want them on Sunday mornings to serve their generation and the next generation. We have a lot of 13 to 18-year-olds who serve every single Sunday who are making profound impacts. Joshua's saying, look, as, as leaders in our families, we respect God, we worship Him together, we serve Him, and when we do that, that's how we become a fully devoted follower of Christ. We become completely faithful to Him. Completely faithful to Him. One of the statements that we made recently in a series with our students that I've been trying to hold on to through all of this and that I, I've been even still processing through is that we can't fake faithfulness. You can't fake faithfulness. And the truth is, is that we, we talk a lot about millennials, but now there's a post-millennial generation and there's a, a generation alpha, and we're just going to keep throwing letters and different kind of things on there so that we can keep up because, I mean, let's just face it, like, people keep, keep showing up. I mean, we keep, you know, I mean, there's, there's a generation every time. That's kind of how it works, right? Um, these generations can sniff out a fake. And if you don't believe that, I encourage you to come volunteer with me on Sunday morning in the crossing or on Sunday night with our middle and high school students. They can. One of the things they say more than anything else is thank you when you're authentic. Thank you when you, you just are willing to, to talk and say, this is what I struggle with. They say that they're small group leaders. They say that of other volunteers. They, 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 I've heard that before. They can sniff out a fake. And Joshua's saying, look, you have to be completely faithful to God. The truth is, the more I think about it, I don't, I don't think there's a thing, as, no, there's no such thing as partial devotion. You're devoted or you're not. He's not giving them permission to, to kind of take trusting and serving God for a test drive here because he actually says, but suppose you don't want to serve him. That's not what he's doing there. He's actually kind of drawing a line in the sand. Um, my wife, Michelle, and I, our, our daughter, Hannah, um, we are Clemson Tiger fans. We are. That's just, that is who we are. And um, we, you can make of that whatever you want to. That's completely okay. Um, I'll be honest, I'm probably a little more humble after the middle of January, but it is what it is. Um, for those of you who watched the national championship game of football, you understand where I'm coming from with that. My brother's a Clemson fan. My brother spent years on a church staff in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, home of Louisiana State University, otherwise known as LSU, and he married an LSU grad. And so, in some ways, the greatest yet worst thing that could have ever happened to our family actually took place this January. Those two schools met for the national championship. And we saw in text, and I remember seeing online, and, and I love Erica to death, I really do, my sister-in-law, and I see all of these things, and she is just, she's drawn a line in the sand. There were days that if Clemson was playing and LSU weren't, she, she would have 
cheered for them. But that Monday, it was go Tigers spelled the wrong way. All right, like that was, that was what happened. It was not purple and orange, it was purple and yellow. And she drew a line in the sand and she was just on fire that night with everything that she was putting on social media and that she was sending. And I love that so much so that she did that, but my brother was still proudly representing his, his Clemson Tiger ball. And I appreciate that she was leading her family. I would say maybe not well. I'm just kidding, Erica. If you watch this, that is not the truth. She's leading and she said it like the boys are going to wear their LSU stuff. But my oldest nephew still was adamant, I'm going to wear that paw. And it didn't matter how the game ended. They were still devoted. Because you can't fake faithfulness. Parents, if we say that we want to lead our families this way and we want to see our families become fully devoted followers of Christ, for anyone in the room today who's thinking What does my life look like even if I'm not a parent? And I want to lead my family well. You can't fake faithfulness. There's no such thing as partial devotion. And I've learned that as a parent, I can become enamored by the great things that are going on in my child's life. And they ultimately become, they become gods in our lives. Striving to see Our kids make the best grades that they can. The accolades and the achievements that happen athletically or in their extracurricular activities. Academically, even the relationships sometimes that our kids are a part of, they can even become a God to us. And so if we want to demonstrate to the next generation, as parents, as grandparents, as parental figures in kids' lives, if we want to demonstrate to the next generation the importance of serving God faithfully, we have to understand the reason we do this is because we're living in their land. We're living in their world, and that's okay. But often, and I've noticed this for me, I don't know about you, but I have a tendency And when it comes to leading my family to worship some gods other than the God who truly loves me and cares about me. It's not that those other things are bad. But when they become more important than being faithful, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ and leading our families that way. It's one thing to put up the sign. And it's one thing to say, I'm going to draw this line and this is what I'm going to do but it's another to put away the other gods. So what does that look like after this fact? Well, the people respond to Joshua in verse 16 and says, then the people answered Joshua, we should never, we would never desert the Lord. We would never serve other gods. The Lord our God himself brought us and our parents out of Egypt. He brought us out of the land where we were slaves. With our own eyes, we saw those great signs he did. He kept us safe on our entire journey. He kept us safe as we traveled through all of the nations. He drove them out to make room for us. That included the Amorites. They also lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord, and that's because he is our God. You're sitting there going, wow, Joshua made that one statement, and everybody is fully on board. But look what Joshua says next in verse 19. Joshua says to the people, you aren't able to serve the Lord. Hang in there with me, all right, because he's not trying to kill their excitement 
he's just, he's speaking truth here is what's happening. He says, he is a holy God and he is a jealous God. He won't forgive you when you disobey him. He won't forgive you when you sin against him. Now, God had, these people had entered into this covenant relationship with God. Where it was God and no other God. We're going to serve you. He's leading them. We trust them. And, and if you take some time and you ever go back and read previous any previous story or you've heard any, any message that's ever been taught from um, this stage or another and you hear something where it talks about anything prior to this interaction, there were definitely some times where these folks and their ancestors complained and they didn't trust God and it didn't always work out. And Joshua just says, he, he, he won't forgive you when you sin against him. Suppose you, you desert the Lord. You actually turn your back on him. Suppose you serve gods that people in other lands serve, and if you do, he, he will turn against you. He will bring trouble on you. He will destroy you, even though he has been good to you. But the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Joshua makes this statement. He makes this declaration. He draws this line in the sand and says, this is what's going to happen for me and my family. We're going to serve God, regardless of what anyone else does. And at that point, he goes back after they respond, and he responds with what he does. Because this isn't the first time that he's heard this response. Because signs and statements don't set the tone for our family. Parents set the tone. Joshua isn't trying to kill their excitement here. He's saying, look, you, I hear what you're saying. That's awesome. But understand, you were talking about you. You were talking about your parents. Your parents did the same thing that you're talking about. They renewed this covenant. This tone was set, and, and we can say it. We can make these declarations and these statements. We can take and do everything that we think we can, but when it starts to get tough, what are you going to... So what happens if you actually do desert God? What happens if you actually do turn your back on him and you, true, you choose not to be faithful? He's saying, look, you, you can do that. You're talking about you, and you're talking about your parents. So what happens after that? Because it's not just what we say that sets the tone. Parents, parents set the tone in the household. And understand this, when parents set the tone, children take note. Because even though these people had seen and heard and now they're in the promised land, they had seen what God had done in their parents' lives. And even when they questioned and even when they became disobedient, they remembered what God had done and how they had been taught. Because when parents set the tone, children take note. Now, I'm just going to be gut level honest with all of you. The next part of this message drastically changed at the end of this past week. Because I came to understand how when parents set the tone, children take note. On Thursday night, I'm still not sure what happened or how it happened, but in a 10-minute drive from us eating dinner out back home, I was sneezing, I was coughing, my throat became super scratchy. I woke up Friday morning with no voice. About the middle of the day, after doing some work that needed to be done and being around the house, and before I went to pick up Hannah from school, I sent a text to, to my wife, or, or I called her, I can't remember exactly what I did, and, and I said, I, 
I think I have the flu. Like, I, I can't talk. I'm as sick as I can be. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, one of those times where we think we're doing really well with things, and then it all kind of falls apart is when we start feeling bad. We get sick, and then I think that it's how our family starts to take note of how we react and how we do things in those moments when something hasn't gone our way. Well, the first thing that went through my mind, just honestly, is I have to preach on Sunday morning. I, I've got to get better. So I spent Friday really not saying a lot. Um, did something similar yesterday. But on Friday evening, I set the tone for my family. And just honestly, the tone that I set for my family was not good. And I know I could sit here and say, and, and people would say, well, you were sick, you weren't feeling well. I could not communicate well. Everything that I tried to say came out seemingly wrong, and every time I said it wrong, someone else got more upset. And I realized that where we want to encourage people today and we say, hey, look, parents, when you set the tone, your children are going to take note. I'm not saying they're going to take note. They're not always going to do, and they're not always going to act the way that you do. But when we set the tone, regardless of what the tone is, kids take note. I was short-tempered. I didn't speak life, and I watched as the attitude in our household just started to dissolve. Where it had been so good, even when I was trying to be encouraging, it was not going well because the tone I had set, regardless of how I felt, that didn't matter. I still had set the tone one way and it became a tone for our family that did not honor God. I was feeling so bad, I went to bed, but I became so overwhelmed with God speaking to me in that moment while I was in the bed. He was like, you have to get up because you know you set the wrong tone for your family. And I walked back in and looked at my wife and daughter and said, we need to talk for a second. And I apologized because I hadn't set the right tone because children take note of the good and the bad and they're going to follow our lead. And that's what was happening here. So Joshua comes back, and again, he's not try, trying to destroy their excitement, but what he does is he comes back in the same way, and he says, look, I, I, I'm going to start to hold you accountable. Because God is holy, God is good. And guess what? You're not. So what's going to happen? What are we going to do next? And as parents, I think we have to ask ourselves, who's holding us accountable? Because Friday evening, my wife held me accountable. There are other parents in my life. There are other uh, folks who are in my life. There are friends who are in my life who I've given permission to to look and say, hey, like, you, that was not the best way to handle that. I think that's the importance of growth groups. I think that's the importance of community is being able to, in a safe place to be able to share exactly how we feel, the things that we're struggling with because 
what happens if we decide, well, I've tried to do this, I've tried to serve God faithfully and do all of these things, but now I'm just, I've got to, I'm just going to, I can't do it anymore. I've got to find somebody else. I've got to find something else. Something else has to work better than this. For someone to say, keep pushing, build the community, build the relationship. Ministry leaders over your teams, pastors, friends who can speak truth into your life, the same way that Joshua is speaking into these folks' lives. When these people are adamant, when the people are adamant, and they say, no, we are going to serve the Lord, Joshua knows that they're ready to move forward, and he knows that they're serious about renewing this covenant with God. So in verse 22, it says, Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves. You have said that you have chosen to serve the Lord, and they said, yes, we are, we are witnesses. They replied, now then, Joshua said, throw away the statues of the gods that are among you. People from other lands serve those gods. Give yourselves completely to the Lord. He is the God of Israel. Then the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord and we will obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people there at Shechem. He reminded them of its rules and its laws. He recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he got a large stone and he set it up in Shechem under the oak tree. It was near the place that had been set apart for the Lord. Look, he said to all of these people, this stone will be a witness against us. Not them. Us. It has heard all the words the Lord has spoken to us. Suppose you aren't faithful to your God and the stone will be a witness against you. It's one thing to say, I am going to serve the Lord and I'm going to lead my family in that way and I, I, my family's going to do that. It's another to demonstrate the truth of that verse. So why is it important for us as, as parents to live that kind of life? Because each phase of a child's life is important. And there, obviously, we, we get that. Like we all understand that there are developmental things that happen, but one of them is an authentic faith. And that's what happens here. It's important that this took place where it took place because Shechem is, is a place where God originally spoke to Abraham. This was a place that was set apart. This was a place that was special to this entire nation. He says, look, we're gonna go back to that spot and that's where we're gonna set up our spiritual marker. Because it's not about just us saying that we're going to do it, even talking about it inside of our home, but I believe we have to have those moments where we can look back and say, this is where I made that decision. And when it starts to wane and when it starts to fall apart and we don't set the tone right here, we can go back to where the stone's at so that we can go back to that spiritual marker and we say, no, 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 this is where I set it. I know that we got off course, but we're gonna go back to this place where I decided to make that a reality in my life and in my life and in my family's lives. See, one of the things that we understand and that we, we teach and we want to encourage you with as parents and grandparents and parental figures in kids' lives today is that each phase of a child's life really is different. And I know there are a lot of us who are sitting there going, okay, thanks for that. I, I get it. Like, I have a preschooler and I have someone going into fifth grade. Believe me, they are different. Yes, you are absolutely right. I'll agree with you on that. But what that means is we need to take advantage of the spiritual markers in the different phases. If you say today, look, I'm going to put a, a, draw a line in the sand for me and my family. I've never done that before. Maybe I've said it, but I didn't understand what I did. Today is going to be that spiritual marker. Understand that there are milestones and spiritual markers in each of these phases. It could be that you want to dedicate a child after they've been born, and this is more than, this is different than, than anything that has to do with baptism or anything like that. This is saying, we are going to make this declaration the very thing that we're talking about today. 
but it's not ceremonial, it's, it's a marker. And if you decided to make that decision today, we want to help you take the steps with that. But the way that you interact and that you pray over your one-year-old, because you can't have a conversation about faith with your one-year-old, you can pray over them and you can love them well. It's very different than how you do that with your eight-year-old. And it's very different than how you do that with your middle schooler. And it's very different than how you do that with your high school student. We have tools to show you where to start, where you're at. If you say, I- I- I've missed the boat on this. Like, my-, my kids are starting to get older. They're starting to grad. They're getting ready to graduate. Hey, look, you can go online. Our resource page, resources.springwell.org. You can go on there today and you can find these things, these tools that we've, practical tools that we've put out there to help you draw that line in the sand and set up that marker to celebrate those milestones. Moving from one phase to another, how to have those conversations. If you were to look at this authentic faith timeline that's specific to every child, there are more markers between fourth grade and sixth grade than any other marker. There are more important questions to ask, and that's where everything shifts from doing it for them to doing it with them so that they can begin to do it on their own. That's what Joshua was doing here. He says, look, we can say that we're witnesses for ourselves. We can do it for this generation, for ourselves. We can even do it for our kids. But we have to do something as we go from here to remind us and remind everyone else that we drew the line in the sand and we want them to be able to do it on their own. Just start where you're at. And we're here to help you because it's basically impossible to do by ourselves. Why is all of this so important? It's because we've all felt like the parent. If you're a parent today, every single parent in this room, and I would say for all of us, we've all felt like a person that was just going to fail at some point in time or was failing in this. And it becomes a lonely place. Because most parents, because most parental figures feel like they're a a blank parent. And when I say blank, I literally mean fill in the blank. Earlier this week, I, I had the privilege of being able to spend some time in a setting where there are a lot of people who, who do what I do and working with families and the next generation and encouraging and engaging parents the best that we can do. And one of the, the folks started talking about that same truth, the belief that every parent wants to be a great parent. And the person said inevitably every time that they, they shared that and talked through that setting and regardless of what setting, Every single time there was someone who said, well, what about the the blank parent? What about the the fill-in-the-blank parent? Are you sure they really want to be a great parent? We choose to believe that every parent wants to be a great parent. And the reason this is so important is because at some point in time, we've all felt like the the fill-in-the-blank parent. We've all felt like the worthless parent. We've all felt like the lonely parent. We've all felt like this person if you are trying to lead your family. We've all felt like the one 
who messed up in some way. We've all felt like the one who didn't lead our family well. And for those of us who aren't parents in the room today, we've all felt like the the fill-in-the-blank person, the worthless person, the person who couldn't get it done, the person who couldn't lead well, the person who just messed things up. No. We choose to believe that every parent wants to be a great parent. We choose that every person, we, we choose to believe that every person who feels that way has the capacity and the want to to turn their life around. And that doesn't just go for parents and it doesn't just go for families, it goes for all of us as individuals. We genuinely believe this. I know I can't do it on my own. I don't believe any of us can. The truth is, is that we're here to help you. We're here to help your family. To move from saying, we're going to serve the Lord, and, and maybe it begins with knowing that that was a part of the verse, but what does that look like, and how do we take these steps to, to be completely faithful to God, to serve him well, to respect him, to do all of these things that Joshua has talked about with this nation of Israel? How, where do we go from here? Set the tone. Serve together as a family. It doesn't have to be here. It can be somewhere outside of these walls. Respect God and make him the centerpiece of your life. Maybe for some of us today needs to be that actual stone, that spiritual marker where we say, this is the day that I made that declaration. And it doesn't matter if you have a six-month-old or if you have a 16-year-old. Truth is, is that in my heart, I fully believe that child dedication is really family dedication. Because Joshua didn't say, as for my kids. He said, no, as for me and my family. We're going to serve the Lord. We won't leave you alone in that. We'll give you the practical tools because child dedication isn't about a ceremony. It's about a spiritual marker in our lives. It's about when... Our kids start to ask questions and we don't know where to turn. We're here to help you. That's why we've put the resources out there for folks to use and for families to use. It's also why even this afternoon after the second service, we're offering a time where there are going to be 17 people who are going to be in a room because at least one child out of each of those families is wanting to take a step and be baptized next week. That's a spiritual marker, and we want to have those conversations with you. We want to help resource families, and we want to lead you well through that. We're not just doing these things for us to say that we do them. We're doing these so that we can all say, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Because we really do believe that every parent wants to be a great parent. And every parent wants to know they're not alone. And at the heart of it, I think at some point in time, that's how we all feel. We want to be great. We want to be sold out followers of Christ. We, I think there's a time where even where we don't know what that looks like, we walk in and then maybe we make that step and then we take two steps back. And then we take three steps forward and we take 15 steps back or whatever it may be. But we draw the line in the sand. And we say from here on, even when I step backward, I'm going to keep moving forward. We all feel alone. We all feel like we don't measure up. We all feel like we're the fill-in-the-blank person at some point in time. But God loves you. Today can be your time to draw that line in the sand 
So what I ask us to do for just a moment is to close our eyes and we're going to pray. I get that there are some of us here who aren't in this world today as, as a parent. Maybe, our, maybe you are and, and your kids are out of the house, but you still have influence. Maybe you're here today and you're just sitting here thinking, I don't even know where to begin for me personally to serve God. You're not alone. He loves you. And even when you feel like you can't measure up and even when you feel like you've set the wrong tone for anyone else that you have a relationship with, he knows. Because the same way as a parent that I set the tone and my child takes note, is that when a heavenly father demonstrates how much he loves us. His children take note. I'm not saying to go home and throw anything that has that verse of scripture in the trash. No, I'm saying use it as a, as a, as a guidepost. Use it as a marker. But maybe you just didn't know what to do and how to take the step and maybe some things are kind of rattling around in your mind right now. So here's what you do. You, you just say, God, I'm going to draw that line today. I want to lead my family well. I want to say definitively that as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We will respect Him. We will serve Him. We will worship Him. We will be completely faithful to Him. And this is the moment. If you're here and you want to make that decision to do that with your family today and for your family today. In just a moment, I want to pray for you and encourage you. Maybe it means that even if you have a home full of high school students and you've never made that definitive decision and you want to start to do that today, then what you do is draw that line in the sand and just start there. I'll be honest, it's a little difficult to lead our families in this direction and to set this kind of tone if we don't have that kind of relationship with this God who loves us. If you're here today and you feel like you're just one of those fill-in-the-blank people, not even a parent, just a fill-in-the-blank person that people have had a tendency to cast aside and to throw away, God does not feel that way about you. He loves you so much. gave the most precious thing. Jesus Christ, his own son, came to earth and died for you so that you could have that relationship with him. And maybe today, your spiritual marker, your line in the sand, is to start with you. God, for those who are in the room today who don't have that relationship with you, maybe they've decided to, to look and serve different gods and different things individually or, or even as, as a parent or in any kind of capacity and that just feel like there's no way they can be loved and there's no way they could get it right. God, you, you love us. For someone today who wants to begin that relationship with you, 
that in this moment they'll just admit that they are a sinner and they can't fix their own sin. They can't change that. We're always going to be the people who just try to take care of us and we do it wrong. And admit that we need your grace and your mercy. And we believe that you sent your son to die for us. Not only did he die, but he rose again and that grace that you demonstrate to us by our faith in what you've done for us and asking you to forgive us and trusting us and, and trusting you and asking you to save us that we can begin that life with you. So God, I pray that if there's anyone here who wants to begin that today, they just say, God, I, I, I can't do it on my own. I need you. Forgive me of my sin. Save me, change me, and make me something new. Today, I'm drawing a line in the sand for me. Today, I know that I've given my heart and my life to Jesus Christ. And God, for the, the parents or grandparents or guardians, whomever it may be in here who have said, I, I know what you're talking about, but I, I want to make that definitive mark, that line in the sand. God, I pray that today is that day. Remind them that they are not alone. Remind them that regardless of what the world may say about any of us, that God, we believe every parent wants to be a great parent and we believe that we can lead our families and lead them well. Thank you for the privilege of being able to demonstrate that in the lives of the folks who are here today. Thank you for how much you love us and for what you're going to continue to do. As we say, as for me and my family, we will serve.